Would you like to accelerate your career and reach your full potential in just minutes a day? Welcome to the LeadX Show with New York Times bestselling author and Inc. 500 entrepreneur, Kevin Cruz. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the LeadX Leadership Show. I am Kevin Cruz. Welcome back to another week. This is the show where we help you to become a great boss. We help you to win a great place to work award. We help you to improve your employee engagement scores. And today on the show, I've got a repeat guest. He's a physician who's learned a lot about leadership and engagement by volunteering in disaster zones. He contacted me to say that the Gallup Q12 and engagement movement is getting it all wrong. He knows the real number one way to get people invested at work. Now, obviously, I'm an engagement guy. I like employee engagement. I think a lot of people get it wrong, but I'm all in on it. So I had to have him back on to hear his thoughts so that we could bat it around. But first, I want to read this email from Jason, who says the LeadX Academy ruined his life. He says, I was a micromanaging boss that cared about the results more than the people achieving them. I found LeadX about three months ago, and I've been able to completely rewrite my approach to leadership and associate development and engagement. My Gallup Q12 scores went from 67 to 90. LeadX ruined my miserable life and helped me to create the life I always wanted to live and to become the leader I always wanted to be. Jason, thank you for taking the time to uh, send us that email. The team appreciates it. We're glad you're getting value out of the Academy. You made us chuckle. Hopefully the listeners out there are chuckling along with us. And for everyone listening in, hey, be like Jason. Try the LeadX Academy for free for three days. It's at leadx.org. And because of Jason, I'm going to change our motto. Instead of, you know, become the leader everyone wants to work for, I'm just going to say, get LeadX Academy It will ruin your life. Our quote this week is, make your vision so clear that your fears become irrelevant. And that is from Anonymous. No idea who said that first. Our guest today equips leaders to make a difference when times are tough. He was the director of the medical triage unit at the New Orleans Convention Center following Hurricane Katrina. He led one of the first teams into Haiti after their devastating earthquake, and he even deployed to the Philippines following Typhoon Yolanda. He's a two-time LeadX guest, Dr. Dan Diamond. Dan, welcome back to the LeadX show. One of our very few repeat guests. It's great to have you back. Man, I'm excited. I got some great stuff to share with you today. I'm looking forward to this. Well, I, I know we both have a passion about employee engagement. And when you reached out, you talked about, you know, you'd been thinking a lot about, you know, leadership and how we lead teams in this world where most people are disengaged at work. So what's yeah. what have you been thinking about? Well, I think what's happened is we've had a shift in our culture and it's had it's been a very subtle shift. But the consequences have been devastating. And it's, you know, it's kind of one of those boiling the frog kind of things mm. that it's it's been a slow shift. But we've shifted from being a hero centric society to a victim centric society. You know, and, and you just sent out in your newsletter that you'd been to NASA recently. And I remember as a kid looking at those guys, you know, getting ready to walk on the moon. And, and I think probably every kid in my neighborhood said, oh, my gosh, dude, could you imagine being an astronaut? Right. When I grew up, I want to be like that. We had great plans of we wanted to do great things when we grew up. And we've shifted from this hero's 
aspirational focus to hoarders. Mm. And now we, now we look at hoarders and say, well, you know, I'm not that bad. You know, if you ever didn't want to clean your garage on a Saturday and spend your day doing that, all you have to do is it really is just watch hoarders. And then you go, well, guess my garage is isn't that bad at all. I think I'll stay here on the couch. Yeah. And, and just in case some of our listeners don't understand the reference, you're talking literally like there is a reality show called Hoarders yeah. about people yeah. who have this horrible you know, condition. And you're also making the point that with all the reality TV, we could pick any of those shows and feel pretty dang good about ourselves in comparison. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I don't think that's by accident. Well, yeah. How? So how? I know it wasn't an instant shift. You said it's like boiling the frog. Why do you think society has changed or moved in this direction? Well, heroes make us uncomfortable. Mm. When I've responded to international disasters, you know, whether it was running the triage unit at the New Orleans Convention Center or Haiti or the Phil- or the Philippines, when I see people that are kicking butt, despite the fact that they've lost everything. That makes me have a different conversation with myself. Like, you know, really, would I do that? Mm-hmm. Would I stay fully engaged to make a difference or would I just kind of cave into the whole thing? And when we have people that we aspire to be like, it makes us uncomfortable, but it also makes us better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a leader, we have to be really careful about where we look. So if as a leader, I'm looking at another organization and saying, well, at least we're not that bad. Or <laughs> or maybe I'm I'm looking at my department that I'm yeah. leading and saying, well, well, at least I'm not as bad as those knuckleheads over there. It's kind of like the high school kid I talked to and I said, you know, how are you doing on your grades? And the kid says, well, not getting any F's. <laughs> I said, well, good on you, man. You're facing the wrong direction. Yeah. How many A's are you getting? Right. And the kid says, well, not getting any A's either. I said, well, you know, like, are you striving for mediocrity? I, I, I don't understand this. But I believe the media sells more advertisements to us if we stay on the couch. Mm. So they don't want us to aspire to go do great things. They'd rather we just kind of sat there and paid attention to what they're trying to sell us. And it seems like this has become gradually worse and worse now to the point where we dethrone viciously dethrone our heroes. Yeah. So we'll, we'll pick at them until we find some sort of a flaw and then throw them to the ground and trample them. So I, I, so I have this, if that's the case, we're now dethroning our heroes. Who do we find to be the hero that we're going to shoot for? And so I was really wrestling with that question. I thought, um, I was talking to a friend of mine, Danny Friedland, and, and we were having this great conversation about what does it look like to have a life well lived? So if you took that and said, you know, what does it look like at the end? What does my life look like if it's a life well lived? And then shoot for that and say, you know, when I grew up, I want to be like that. Craig Groeschel, uh, the pastor at Life Church, talks about this idea of at the beginning of the year writing out a, a manifesto, just a short little list of I am this, I am this, even if it's not true, because you're what you're doing is setting your sights down the road. Yeah, it's aspirational. Where you want to be. Right. Yeah. Right. And so, I, you know, I, I find myself saying these this thing out loud every morning. And then sometimes during the day, something will happen and I'll want to head in one direction. But my brain goes, wait a minute, are you the, aren't you the guy that started out your day saying that, you know, you're going to do this with your life? And so it, it 
it comes back up if you're reading it out loud on a daily basis. So I think that's one way we can put the heroes back in is um, is create this life well lived vision of who we want to be so that we aspire to greatness. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's great. And I'm glad you talked about reading it back daily because I, and I think a lot of people get all, you know, motivated, which never, never lasts like around new years, you know, I'm going to write yeah. down my resolutions or I'm going to write my vision statement or make a vision board. And it starts to gather dust. And, and, you know, my life changed when I started to just take that and it's not long, but you know, every morning reflect on my, you know, I call them three to thrive, but the values that are most important to me and aspirationally why they're important, where I'm trying to get to. It's like a, a, the daily reminder has this power. Yeah. 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 And speaking it out loud, you know, if yeah. you say I'm going to be tender and unkind, not I'm going to be, it's I am tender and kind. Right. <laughs> and then some guy cuts you off in traffic <laughs> and you go, ah, yeah, I'm tender and kind. Right. But I think we need to, we need to be really careful as, as leaders. You know, we know that people go where they look. Mm. And, and I've proven this to myself way too many times mountain bike riding. <laughs> um, I was doing Devil's Gulch over in, in eastern Washington. And we had like a, a straight up cliff on one side, about a two foot wide trail, and then a drop on the other side that went down about 200 feet. And I'm just flying down the trail. And I started thinking about this idea of target fixation. Mm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like. I wonder if it's true. And I looked just for I looked just for a second, and I launched. Wow. And you know, fortunately, there was a little shrubbery sticking mm. out there, and and I, and I landed in that. And and my buddies were able to come back and pull me back up again. But it's powerful. Even you know, if you think about, I was walking down the street the other day in Seattle, and some guy standing there looking up like this, and I couldn't help it. You I mean, I had look. to turn around and look. What's the guy looking at? And if we're doing that as leaders, if we're focusing on well, at least we're not that bad. Right. Then our team is going to go. Yeah, good point. At least we're not. At least we're not that bad. We we need to be really careful about where we look. Mm -hmm. So know, is it we, this the same idea about creating that personal aspirational vision statement and reflecting on it? Are you suggesting as team leaders, as executives, as entrepreneurs, we do the same for our organization? And you know, just like we would read it every day, like get our team to rally up to it frequently. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think we need to change the conversation that we're having. You know, for, for years now we've been having this disengaged, engaged conversation. How, how do we get our employees to be engaged And and people like Gallup have made lots of money and, sure. and I, you know, I've, I've thrown rocks at Gallup recently because I think they're wrong. I think this is an example of, well, at least I'm not that bad. We know that we can lose up to as much as $605 billion a year in the United States because of disengaged employees. Mm -hmm. That's the worst number. It, I mean, it's big numbers. I don't even know what that means. Mm -hmm. um, so if we could just get them to be engaged, it's like, it, but it's just like, well, at least I'm not getting any Fs. I mean, engaged is where we should start. When I look at the Gallup Q12, which interestingly has 13 questions in it, <laughs> go figure. <laughs> When I look at that, most of those questions on engagement have to do with how do I feel when I come to work? Mm -hmm. Do I have a best friend at work? Do I have everything that I need at work? Well, you know, good grief. When I go into a disaster, I didn't go to Haiti and go, wow, what a beautiful place. I really like this one. This is a nice spot. Man, it was horrible. So it's not about engagement. It takes way more than engagement. We have to show up at work and say, you know what? 
it's not great, but I'm invested in making this better. I'm invested. I'm going to show up invested in myself. I'm going to invest in my team and I don't care who gets the credit. And then I'm going to rally my team to invest in the teams around us. And then we can go one notch higher than that and say, do I own it? Do I own the outcomes? Am I willing to stand up and say, hey, if this doesn't go well, whose fault is it? Yeah, that'd be my fault. And I will keep at this until I solve this problem. If we want to be great, if we want to lead organizations to do great work, we have to go beyond engagement. That's just the baseline. So I have, you know, I get passionate so, about this. Yeah. So let me, let me, let me slow you down a little bit. So, okay. Now Gallup, again, leading one of the, you know, the leading consultant uh, group among many focusing on employee engagement and the bone you have to pick with them. It's that we're now focusing on a bar that's been set too low. It's not about a methodology yeah. argument. You're just saying, Hey, no. that's not enough. That's, that's right. a fundamental thing. And you've said you were talked about the costs that the, the actively disengaged have. And I know in, in other work, you've called the actively disengaged employees, corporate terrorists. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. is yeah. that because Absolutely. of the harm they're doing? Like, why are you, why are you so strong? One of the great examples, there was a, Educational institution, there's an online school, college level, that just in the last few years had one of their employees get mad and, and leave. And when he left or got fired, I can't remember which, he changed the passwords on all their databases and then said that he'd be happy to come back as a consultant mm, to fix for $200,000 to help them with their problem. Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. Those are the obvious ones that we can go yeah. Dang, would anybody, would any of my employees do that? I don't think so. Yeah. Um, you know, Virgin just had an, an, a problem with, with some sort of sabotage that was going on in their organization as well. But I think it's a lot of this is the people that show up and they're doing whatever they can because they feel like they've been slighted. Mm. They didn't get their way and they're going to show the organization, they're going to teach them a lesson. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think they're dangerous. Yeah. You know, they don't, they don't carry bombs around, right, right. but they cause a lot of damage. And I want to, I thought this is really interesting because I, um, uh, work a lot in the area of, of engagement of written on it and things. And yet you, what you said was really interesting in that the Gallup Q12, as you described, the questions are like, I have the tools I need to be successful. I have a best friend at work, you know, a whole range of things. I've received recognition or praise in the last seven days or 14 days, whatever that might be. And yet when you think about like when you and others rush, volunteer and rush, so there's not even pay involved. You know, you rush right. into a disaster, you know, zone. You are totally emotionally committed, which is how I usually define a game. Someone's emotionally committed. And yet you don't expect to have all the tools that you need. You're not there to make friends or to, to, to be friends. It's nice if you make a friend. That's not about friendship. You're not there for the thank yous. You're not there for the, the attaboys. And yet you're probably so much more emotionally committed to the positive outcomes there then if you, you know, then at work with all these other things. So there is some kind of disconnect between all those questions they ask about and the supposed correlation to feeling yeah. this, this emotional connection at work. And, and yeah. the, the most important thing as, which is the point of, of what you've been saying is the most important factor is the vision. Like what are we all here for? What's the purpose of it? Right. We need that big, big vision. Yeah. And the goal is not, 
to have a team that's functioning at a C level mm-hmm. for look, taking it back to the high school grades. Right. You know, so, well, at least nobody's flunking anymore because those people are costing us lots of money when they flunk. So now we're good. We're good. It's all fine. We need more than that. And we need more than that because it's a very competitive world. And we need people that are not only firing on all cylinders, but, you know, this idea of how do we close the gaps between teams mm. is fascinating. That doesn't happen if it's just somebody that shows up that's engaged. It's when somebody says, I'm invested in the outcome. Yeah. So if you go back to Katrina, yeah. there were several places where the levy failed and it failed because at the junction between two different jurisdictions, the levy was different heights you know, like two feet higher in one section than the section next to it. And the water doesn't go like this. <laughs> it's not, it's not right. just square. Right. The water comes, all that from the high wall side, all that water comes around to that one spot. You get erosion and then the wall moves a little bit to begin with. And then pretty soon you get the whole thing blows. But you know how it happens is one team, one jurisdiction has gone, well, <laughs> that's not our job. And the other guys are going, well, that's not our job. It only takes one group to say, we don't care who gives a credit. We want to make this other team look like a hero. Yeah. You know, we want them to look good. And so what we're going to do, we're going to bring our wall up to meet theirs. And we don't care at all who gets the credit. Yeah. Yeah. This idea of the sort of the the big rallying vision, it, it makes me think back to a little bit of the work of the business writer, Jim Collins, who talks about a big, hairy, audacious goal, a BHAG. Do you think a, a BHAG does this, gets this, or is that different? That's like a business goal and that's not something people are always going to get emotionally invested with. Yeah, I think having a clear vision or, or a mission is incredibly helpful. You know, one of the organizations that I've worked with in eastern Washington and Montana is a hospital system that's uh, mission-driven. It's the, the Providence system over there. This big goal is to care for the poor and vulnerable in their communities. That's cool, but it's not just framed on the wall. They they bleed this. Yeah. So there, it's the only time I've heard anybody talk about how can we run more efficiently so we can give away more free care. Mm-hmm. I about fell down. So you know when you if you're at work like as a doc like I am, mm-hmm. I, you know when I get to work, and uh, if the company I'm working for figures out they can save a bunch of money by giving me cheap gloves, mm-hmm. then every time I put on a glove, about one out of five will tear out. And I think to myself, you know, this company doesn't even care for my safety. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're giving me these gloves that are just junk. That's different than I have a passion to run efficiently so I can give away more free care. Right. Then they come to me and say, hey, what do you think about trying these gloves? You know, we know that they're they're not as good as the other ones and you're going to rip out occasionally, but we can give away more free care. I say, yeah, heck yeah, shoot, yeah, let's try it. Then every time a glove tears out, I say to myself, Man, I love working here. Mm-hmm. We're on a mission. We're doing something, you know. So it's the same dumb gloves, yeah. But it's a it's a heart difference. It's a vision difference. It's a pointing the team and saying we're going to do this hard thing of caring for the poor and the vulnerable in our community, and we're and we're pointed that way. That's a big deal, you know. And it and I think that really changes everything. Yeah. When, when you when you know your why, it it's a lot easier to deal with the the how. Sometimes I, I get the question from a frontline leader who, let's say I'm uh, leading the accounts payable department in finance or something like that. I've got five people reporting to me and I'm in a big company that doesn't have a mission statement. The, the CEO never talks about her vision. What advice would you give? Should I sort of 
think of a, with the team, come up with a vision that the whole company represents? Or should I think about a team level vision about serving our internal customers or moving, you know, getting everybody paid faster, whatever it might be? How should we go about it if there is no company rallying point? Yeah, I think I'd start with a team. You know, the teams are incredibly powerful. I believe that that organizational culture shifts from the inside of a few people, then it spreads to the team. Gosh, I came across a, a fascinating article this week about what percentage of people do you have to have in an organization or a society to change the culture? Mm, I wouldn't even want, guess. Yeah. <laughs> it is not what I would have thought. It's 10%. Wow. If they are committed and so won't if, give so if up. So if you can get 10%, 10% totally committed, then that can yeah. impact, that can spread out and, and impact yeah. the organization. Yeah. And it was fascinating. I saw an article I commented on that somebody posted yesterday about, well, leadership, I mean, culture has to happen from the top down. I mm. don't think so. Yeah. I think culture can shift anywhere you can get people rallied together and start building some momentum. And when you get to 10%, things shift. Mm. So if you look at the civil rights movement in the United States, when the African-American population got to 10%, that's when it started to shift. Interesting. So, fascinating fascinating because you know, some of the organizations are really struggling right now and people tend to throw their arms up and say what can i do right and you shift and you just quietly step over to the sidelines and wait for somebody else to do something ah no it takes only 10 percent. starting at the core yeah rallying your team and then looking at it from the perspective of we don't care who gets credit right we, we want to do great work you know, that's, uh, I think that's, that's game changing. Yeah, I agree. This is fascinating as always. And uh, like last time we quickly ran out of time, but let me ask you this. I always like to challenge our listeners to go do something out of their comfort zone, do something a little different to get a little bit better, to make a difference. Give us a challenge. What's something that our listeners can do and that I will do, you know, in the next 24 hours. Oh man, I got a good one for you. <laughs> so I would say this, one of my favorite questions is this, what's keeping you up at night? Mm. So the challenge I would throw out is go to three different people in your organization that you don't usually spend time with, like different departments and say, so what's keeping you up at night? And do it with this attitude of, I wonder if I can rally my resources and my team to make a difference in this person's life or in, or in their team. But you know, nobody walks into the CEO's office, pulls up a chair, sits down and says, so what's keeping you up at night? It just doesn't happen. Right. But it should. You know, we should say that to each other. What's keeping you up at night? What can I do? What can my team do to help with that? You know, when in Katrina, I'll, I'll never forget this lady, man, she came in and she had a blood pressure of 260 over 190. That's like, you know, I said to my team, run, she's going to blow. <laughs> and and there's a guy standing there and he said, nah, she's fine. <laughs> so how do you know she's fine, man? Who are you? And he said, well, I, you know, I'm James Moises. I'm an ER doc from Charity Hospital. So why aren't you here? Why aren't you helping us? And he said, well, I got a hole in my roof. I got to go fix my hole in my roof. Well, I had started this little notebook. And anytime I met anybody in Katrina, I wrote down their name, their cell phone number and what they did. And I'd met this guy a couple of days earlier that was a firefighter from New York that was also a roofer. And he brought all his stuff when he came. I said, James, I got this guy on page three right here. Call him. He's a, a roofer uh, and a firefighter from New York came to pay back after 9-11. He wanted to give back to New Orleans and he'll fix your roof for free. 
you know, it was an example of what's keeping you up at night yep. is roof and taking the time to understand somebody else's resources and then matching those. One of my favorite things to do. But it starts with that question of what's keeping you up at night. Yeah. yeah. And I, I love this challenge, Dan. And I'll add the second challenge to the listeners is everybody's got to go out and get a little notebook so they can start taking down names and numbers yeah. and uh, resources yeah. just like you, because there's that whole social capital to it. So Dr. Dan Diamond, how can our listeners find out more about you and your work? Uh, they can go to my website. It's dandiamondmd.com. That's dandiamondmd.com. Uh, and I've got a book out there too. It's Beyond Resilience, Trench-Tested Tools to Thrive Under Pressure, where I tell some of the stories from Katrina. And that's on Amazon. Love that title. And of course, we will put the links in the show notes and into the articles that go out. Dan, thanks for coming on again to the LeadX Leadership Show. Kevin, it's a pleasure. Let's make it a third time. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. Friends, if you like this episode of the LeadX Leadership Podcast, please take just a minute and leave a rating on iTunes or Stitcher. It's the number one way we will attract new leaders. And you know, I'm on a mission over the next 10 years to spark 100 million new leaders. And if you're looking to teach your managers how to become great leaders, how to increase their employee engagement scores, and how they can achieve extreme productivity, check out the LeadX Academy at leadx.org or just send me an email if you have 10 or more managers and we'll talk about doing a free pilot in your company. Info at leadx.org is the email address and I'll personally respond. Remember, leadership is influence. You're always leading. How will you lead today?